ministry that we have done our best to support for many years on the island of Haiti. Uh, their, their ministry is well outgrown ours. I don't know, they've got um, uh, six, seven hundred kids, I think last I heard, uh, students that are in their school. They had, I, I don't know if the orphanage is still going because of earthquakes and troubles and this and that and whatever else they face on a day-to-day basis it's a much greater challenge than what we normally face but uh, I know they had started it hopefully it is continued uh, specifically for young girls that are displaced after the big earthquake in 2010 and that of course is uh, just the ongoing ministry beside the church Uh, and so we want to continue to be a blessing when and how we can we'll let you know more details as they uh, are revealed to us but uh, today I've asked brother Harold if he would to come and speak for us and uh, I'm just gonna enjoy not having to preach this Sunday amen won't you welcome brother Harold as he comes praise the Lord everyone pardon me as I get set up real quick everybody is doing well today. I know I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling pretty good. Considering the week that I had, I'm feeling pretty good. Um, sorry. I felt sorry to miss Wednesday, but it was one of those things that just couldn't quite be avoided. But I am glad anytime that I can come into the house of the Lord, whether we're having service or not to come into the house of the Lord, whether it's to work on furnaces, (laughs) to come to the house of the Lord. I feel like David so many times, and you've heard me say it so many times, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. It just, it builds me up. And then to come in and see a crowd of smiling faces, it just builds me up stronger. You know, today I want to, want to, uh, kind of just discuss a few things. There's no real, real theologic heaviness. Just discuss a few things about using the proper tools. And the first tool that I want to use today is prayer. Pastor, could you pray over this? Thank you. Now, this idea came to me yesterday. We were out in the backyard and starting to clean up leaves. And I don't know if you've ever gone to your yard and started cleaning up leaves. You know, first you... 
You know, when leaves first start falling, you can pick them up by hand. But we've gone past that now. So Teresa went out and uh, got the, the yard rake, you know, started raking up leaves. And it's in the backyard, and we, have, we put our uh, leaves out in a pile in the front yard so that the city can come and, you know, vacuum, and vacuum them up. And so she was raking them and putting them into a bag, taking the bag out front, dumping the bag, bring it back. It's like, okay, that, that, that works. And then I, I looked out the window as, as she's doing that, and Mom started helping out, you know, moving the bag around. And it's like, wait a minute. We have a leaf blower. I'll go get the leaf blower, and I'll, you know, help out. So I went out and connected the leaf blower and started blowing the leaves around, getting them into, you know, bigger piles. And it's like, wait a minute, this leaf blower is also a mulcher. So flip it around, put a bag on my back, and suck them up. And every time that the bag got full, just walk out to the front, empty it out. You know, just have the right tools. And that's when it dawned on me. You know, as Christians, sometimes we have the tools in front of us and we don't use them. Just simple life tools. Bishop, I remember when I started working here. Now, this is many moons ago. Back when, I'm not even sure if you had a full head of gray hair yet. Now we both do. (laughs) But one of the lessons you taught me was if you're going to go on site to work, first tool you have to have. Do you remember what that first tool was? Right there. The pocket knife. Say that louder. Worth 50 cents more on the hour. To have this with you all the time. Now, this is just a simple tool. I mean, this one, it's a knife. It is just a knife. I mean, it's not a screwdriver. It's not a saw. It's a knife. But it's something always have with you. I mean, I remember being up on the roof. Okay, we're doing, you know, shingles. Got to open up the bundle. I don't have a knife. Hey, we're opening up the the box for the furnaces. We've got to cut that banding. Oh, where's my knife? Just that simple, it's always with you. If you you have it, if you take it with you, it's always with you. And this, to me, is salvation. This is the Spirit of God with us. For a Christian, this is our first tool to acquire. And it's not a hard tool to acquire. We don't have to put in a lot of work to get a knife. We don't have to put in a lot of work to get filled with the Holy Ghost. We don't really have to put in a lot of work to be baptized. It's not a lot of work. We can come freely. I mean, it, it's as simple in Acts 2 and 38, they asked Peter, hey, what, what must we do to be saved? Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For this promise is unto you and to your children and to, or, yeah, and to all that are far off, even as many as 
the Lord our God shall call. Through baptism in his name and through the infilling of his spirit in us, we have the basic tool to start a Christian walk. We carry his presence with us daily, whether we use it or not. God's presence is there any time that we need it. Hey, I need to get out of a jam. Lord? Hey, I'm going through a struggle. I need to cut that. Now, is it the perfect tool for all situations? Just that? It can be. But sometimes when you've got a thick cardboard, you're cutting a lot. But still, if that's all you have, it's enough. If all you have is the Spirit of God with you, it's enough. It's enough. Committing our lives to God by receiving his name in baptism, receiving his spirit within us, is so important as the first tool in our walk. It gives us reconciliation with God without that first step. Any tool that we try to use is kind of wasted because we don't have that connection with him. It gives us forgiveness and redemption. And this is one of the things that that I really look back at because when I received the Holy Ghost, when I was baptized, it took off a load. No, I was only, what, 12 years old at the time, 13 years old? But even at that, I remember that around that time was when I first learned how to swear and actually used it. And when I received the Holy Ghost, I felt, hey, I used to feel bad about that. God, what do you think about that? Now it's like, I don't have to worry about that. Don't do it again, of course, but I don't have to worry about what I did. Hey, as a Christian, when I fall, I can get up and not worry about what caused me to fall. I have that redemption. I have that forgiveness. It gives me a sonship. And this is also so important to me because just like that pocket knife that's with me anytime, that sonship allows me to go into the presence of God at any time and say, Lord, say, Dad, I have that sonship. I have that presence with me always. And then it gives me a hope. It gives me an assurance that this life that I'm living right now is not all there is. There is a wonderful life to come. There is a heaven to gain, to search for, to work for. There's a hell to shun. It also gives me his presence that no matter what, I can say Jesus. Jesus. When I don't know any, anything else to say in a situation, I can just say Jesus. Oh, what a wonderful name. What a powerful name. There's so much power, so much strength in just that one name, Jesus. And he has given me that. This is the most important tool. And most people, when they build their list, they put the most important last. But this is the foundational tool, too. As I said, without this tool, 
all the other tools are eh, not as important. But if you have this, then the other tools start making sense. The, 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 it's, it's not the final tool. Having Christ is in us is, is necessary for the Christian walk. Unlike the pocket knife, obtaining the next tools without Christ, quite honestly, it's like having the pocket knife without the blade. The next tool... I don't know how many people have ever rented a home, lived in a home that wasn't theirs, starting out as a young family. I remember we got something similar to this. I'm sure many of you know where I'm going with or see this and remember them doing it. But we got this small toolkit. It's great. You know, you want to hang pictures. I mean, you're not going to do construction. I mean, you're not going to do major construction. But hey, this will put a nail on the wall to hang a picture. You know, there's other tools in here. Some toolkits have a little, yeah, this one has it, a little level right here. You know, help make sure that that picture's level. It's, it's a tool for... It's the next step. You know, it's the next step over the pocket knife. What is this tool? I equate this to fellowship. It's not expensive. You don't have to do that much. But you do have to do. You have to go to church. You have to hear the the spoken word. But it gives us so much. It gives us a family that we can rely on, a family that help us through our struggles. The early church continued in fellowship. Acts 2 and 42 says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in breaking bread and in prayers. What does fellowship give us? All. Oh, it gives us encouragement. I don't know how many times, and I say it as many times as I can, seeing you here gives me encouragement. I don't know the struggles that you've gone through this week. I don't know the heartaches that you have bared over your life. But just being here. Hey, we made it. Hey, we got here. It may be a struggle Sunday morning to wake up. Trust me. One of the things both Teresa and I said this morning is like, man, it'd be nice to sleep a couple more hours. But you know what? I'm so glad I'm here. I'm so glad to see you here. It gives us prayer and intercession. You know, there's times that, that my prayer, sometimes I feel like it just hits the ceiling. And I can go to Brother Chris. I can go to Brother Dave. I can go to... Uh, brother, yeah, I can't even, wow. Brother Torres. I can go to pastor, bishop, and say, hey, can you, I, I've got this problem. Can you pray for it? Can you pray with me? We have that. 
We have that in our toolkit, that prayer, that intercession. We receive learning and growth. You know, in, in church, we always think that when we learn or when we, we grow, it's because pastor or bishop or even myself teaching. But you know what? I've learned so much teaching. I've learned so much by your responses. I don't know if you've noticed there's times that, you know, I'll come up and here, here's my thought. Somebody says, okay, here's my thought. And it's like, well, wait a minute. I got to think about that for a little bit. And I'll actually go home and say, okay, can I prove mine correct over his? Or, can, or does his show over mine? It corrects me. When my thinking is not quite right, yes. the fellowship This is a tool that we cannot forsake. It's a tool that we need to use. Hebrews 10.25 says, Not forsaking the assembly or the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so the more as he see the day approaching. Bishop, we were talking about the day approaching. The last times, last days. Hey, this here is important. Having fellowship with one another in these last days, it's important. It is so important to get through, to get the encouragement we need to make it through tomorrow, through Tuesday. It is so important. So important. And as I said, this kit doesn't cost a lot. You know, it's... it's it has a lot of tools in it, but again, the quality isn't the greatest. I actually took one of these hammers, and it, I remember mine was yellow, had yellow handle up here, and I was banging something at the at the house, trying to build something, and all of a sudden I missed the nail, missed the board, and hit here. I don't know if you've ever done that with any other hammer. And, you know, full force, bam. Most of them, they, I, ooh. This one didn't. This one went, and it, whoop. It just, he said, okay, I'm done. You know, these aren't the most expensive of tools. But they're very valuable when you need them. The next tools, you know, you, you, you get more courage You, you get more courage and you start doing some upgrades. Uh, let's, let's get a saw. You know, yeah, I brought this because, Bishop, sometimes this is the hammer that. Talk about using the proper tool. Let, let's not do that. When we need a hammer, let's get a hammer. Let's get a real hammer. I mean, upgrade. Just a little upgrade. And again, it's not overly expensive. I don't know what I paid for it, but I mean, it's a Pittsburgh, I think, so it's a, it's a har uh, Harbor Freight hammer. So it can't be too expensive. But 
I'd rather be swinging this thing full force than this thing full force. And then we start with the, we get a good tape measure to make sure that we're lining things up. Yeah. And we'll get back to that. You know, when we start upgrading this, we're no longer thinking of just hanging up pictures. We're actually thinking about starting to fix things. You know, trim is falling off. Let's fix that. Hey, the, the coffee table. It's a little cattywampus. Let's fix that. Sometimes it's actually, you know what? I'm sure that I could buy a couple boards and build a new coffee table. I'll be ad admitting mine was a TV stand. Now, my family loved a TV stand. I still don't know why. I mean, let's put it this way, to the point that my daughter, after we got, I built a new one, my daughter wanted it. I was ready to tear it apart, put it in the uh, fire bin. You know, it, it would be a nice bonfire. She wanted it. I was like, why? I mean, I built it. it it's the, the two, it was two, or three shelves. It was three shelves, you know, the top and then two shelves underneath. And there were plywood. And I built this out of two by fours and plywood. Stained it dark so you couldn't see all the, the problems with it. And of course, you stain it dark, you can see all the glue that, that eased out. And a, as it aged, the plywood was doing this, so you put heavy things on it to hold it down. You know, you don't pick up the TV because then the board will start moving. But yeah, that's, you know, you got a good hammer, got yourself a good saw to be able to, to start building. You know, I, I liken this to our devotions. First, we, we start small and we read the Bible once in a, once in a while. You know, and as we start to get frustrated, we either put it down or we venture ahead and say, hey, I want to learn a little bit more about this tool. God, can you help me understand this? We actually start praying. We read and we pray. We read and we pray. And more and more, it becomes a habit. And we start receiving his word into our heart. Not just a knowledge of his word. But we actually start re receiving word into his word into our heart. Psalms 119.104 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light into my pathway. 2 Timothy uh, 3, 16 and 17 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly finished in all good works. You know, we read this one a lot of times and we think that that's a verse for ministry. I was reading that the, uh, last night and it's like, wait a minute. If I'm just sitting reading my Bible and I read that, I don't need somebody telling me, oh, we need ministry. We know that. We need ministry. But this scripture says the inspired word of God, the breathed word of God 
is made to correct us. Not have somebody correct us. It corrects us. The Word corrects us. The Word gives us reproof. The Word gives us doctrine. The Word gives us instruction into righteousness that God may perfect me. So what, what, does, what does this, this tool really give us? Well, it gives us guidance. It gives us direction, as I said. We read his word, and it gives us wisdom in the decisions that we make. It provides us guidance in how to navigate our challenges and discern God's will for our unique circumstances. You know, there are times that it's like, hey, I've got a hard decision, and I'm just reading. All of a sudden, I come across a, a passage, and it just God kind of implies onto me and says, hey, learn this. Use this for your situation. It's like, oh, yeah, I can use that. Another thing it gives us is spiritual growth. And I think this is essential for a Christian life. Just as eating food is essential for our physical body to live, to carry on, so is eating the bread of life, reading his word, ingesting his word in us. His word is that bread of life. Another thing it gives us is knowledge of him. How are we going to know him if we don't read about him, if we don't read his words? I, I've heard some say, you know, well, I know about Christ and he does this and he, and it's like, wait a minute, did you read his word? Well, no. Well, no, you don't know him. You may know of him, but you don't know him. And it gives us, again, comfort and encouragement. Just as the church body gives us comfort and encouragement, his word gives us comfort and encouragement. Oh, I don't have it in my notes, but the scripture just comes to mind. Though I fall, I will rise again. And what is it? Rejoice not against me, O mine enemies. For when I fall, I shall arise again. Hey, that's encouragement. That lets me know that, hey, yeah, my enemies may be rejoicing when I fall, but with him, I'll rise again. If nothing else, Lord, help me rise again. It gives us, gives us that courage, but it also gives us that comfort when we fall. You know, when I fell as a youngster, banged up my knee, half the time I didn't need somebody to look at my knee. I needed somebody to say, you're okay. I've learned that from my kids too, that the boo-boo doesn't hurt as bad as what, the, what you think the boo-boo hurts. And you just need somebody to tell you that. Hey, we're kids in Christ, Right? Hey, my friend hurt me. 
Dad comes over, okay, you'll be okay. It's not as bad as what you think. Okay. At least that's how my kids were a lot of times. It was just, hey, don't worry about it. It's okay. Now, as we, we continue in our devotion, in our discipleship, in the Word, we start to build experience. We start looking for bigger and better tools. How many people here have looked at their toolkits and said, oh, I could use... I don't know how many people have tried to cut a two-by-four with one of these saws. It can be done. I've done it. But you know what's a whole lot easier? Get some power. We upgrade. And as we, we venture out, not only are we starting to, you know, just cut wood, we start doing other things. Hey, I know how to do that. I can, I can start working on my car, too. It's a different hammer. I need that hammer. That's a good hammer to help with brakes. You know what? Screwdrivers are getting old. That's a wonderful tool. Such a wonderful tool. This has made this less important. It's a wonderful tool. We upgrade. Upgrade. Just for you, Bishop. We upgrade. We get a bigger hammer. <laughs> Wait, something else. We do upgrade. We had that little we had that little level. Well, let's move up. Let's get a better level. You know what? If I'm doing pictures, multiple pictures across the wall, let's really upgrade. Let's upgrade. Now, our upgrades aren't as cheap. This hammer probably costs what that kit costs. This driver, you could buy quite a few of these with that. And you have to buy, in today's market, you have to buy the battery and the charger separate. And things are getting more expensive. But the saw, isn't, it, it's not as cheap as that, that hand saw. You, you've got to put more into it. This is what I call application. It's when we take what we've read, we actually apply it, and we grow. And we start using the tools over and over. We get comfortable. We start realizing, hey, I can do that, but I could do it a lot easier if. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of God. 
Brother Raymond Woodard, in a recent uh, interview, gave very good advice to young preachers and teachers. But I think this advice applies very well to everyone. He said the difference between reading the Bible and studying the Bible is having a notebook beside you. Reading the Bible, we can read a chapter. Go to the next chapter, start reading it, and not remember what the previous chapter did. I know I have quite often. You know, because I'm just reading. I'm reading. But if I'm studying, I'm taking notes. Yeah, I'll forget, but you know what? Yeah, I remember. When, when was it? Oh, yeah, there it is. I remember, and God kind of impressed on me this. You know, taking notes will help you when you don't feel inspired of God. You're reading through, and it's just like, Lord, I'm not feeling anything. Lord, just, Lord, I'm not sure, not sure anymore. Open up your notebook. Go back to, hey, Remember when God inspired you to read this and he inspired this thought on you? Remember when you read, Rejoice not against me, O my enemies? Now, you're not reading that today. <laughs> Probably you're reading in uh, Ezekiel going, I'm not getting any inspiration out of this. But you go back to your notes and, Rejoice not against me, O my enemies. And you know what? I've done that and it's like, Lord, thank you. Thank you for giving me your word back then to help me now. Studying gives us a deeper understanding. It gives us an understanding of not just who God is, but what he wants for us. It gives us a true application for life. The Bible isn't merely historical or theological document. It is a living, breathing guide to our lives. Studying scriptures helps us apply teachings to our daily experiences. James 1.22 says, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. No, I was there. You read it. Read the Bible cover to cover. What do you remember? I remember in there it said something like, I know the Bible, I know him. We're deceiving ourselves. But when we study, other th thing with studying is reading through, wait a minute, that doesn't quite fit what I think it does. Where else does that say that? Because Scripture confirms Scripture. If, if you read a scripture and you interpret it a way and you can't find confirmation, it's not the scripture, the scripture that is wrong. It's the interpretation. What's the verse? We're not given to personal uh, interpretation or private interpretation. Study. Dig deep into it. It gives us an understanding for sharing 
This one's a fun one because a lot of times we think that studying the Bible should be for sharing, should be for teachers and preachers and, and ministers and evangelists. But you know what? We are all supposed to be ministering. And as we read something that applies to us, a friend, a church member, a sister, a brother, hey, I, I, need, I need some prayer. I, I, I'm going through the situation. Hey, you know what? I was reading this, studying it, and here's a scripture just for that. It gives us an understanding for sharing. And it enhances our worship. Knowing who he is, knowing what he wants for us, enhances our worship. Studying the scriptures helps us in communion with him. It helps us understand the significance of the elements of our faith. It helps us understand the elements of our doctrine. Why? Not just what, but why do we believe what we believe? And why don't we do this? And why do we do this? Not just we do this because somebody said so. Now, the last... The last tool, uh, I have a pretty good story for it. We were working on our fireplace. And anybody who's visited our house and walked in the living room, you see this big sandstone block fireplace. In it, there are three shelves. I mean, it was built, I think it was um, 1956. So just put that in time frame in your mind. Sandstone that matched sandstone on the outside of the house. Three, three of those stones stuck out about four inches as a shelf. Different sizes. Teresa hated those things. So, what, a couple months ago, we endeavored to take, a, take out those shelves. So, we're moving forward. What do we get? We get a masonry hammer. And we get some chisels. We get some more tools. Well, you'll notice that these two hammers do not look the same. If you look at them closely, one's more rounded than the other. And this one here looks like it's more for uh, nails because it has a nail imprint on the head to pound nails in, also to remove nails. No such thing for this. But this masonry hammer is to break stone. Chisels help with that so you can focus at that, that force. So as we're working on this uh, fireplace stone, we got one broken off, and it left half of a hole. It's like, okay, we can, we can fix that. Let's start working on the middle one, the big one. And start banging on it and tapping on it, and all of a sudden, yeah, it starts getting loose, and we pull the whole thing out. It's like, yes, we can work on that. We can make that work. We can fill that in. So we go up to the top shelf and start banging on it. All of a sudden, the two stone above it starts coming loose. And I'm like, Teresa, how much do we want this shelf out? as opposed 
to not having a full wall of stone? Because right now we are at a turning point that it's not much difference in the work that we would put in to tear down half of the stone than to, to try to get that one stone out without breaking everything. And she's like, no, I, I, let's, let's take it down to, to about there. It's like, okay. Started tapping, what was it, 20 minutes maybe? Stone's gone. It's out in the backyard. It's like, yes. And okay, we have some fixing to do, but we have this nice big hole in the wall. So instead of seeing what would look like a nice white uh, sandstone chimney, you see a hole in the wall with red brick chimney behind it. It's like, we got to do something about that. So I decided to, you know, build some stud work in, fill it in. The idea was to fill it in with stud work, put in uh, uh, drywall, make it a solid wall there. And then we can build a mantle and make it look all nice. Well, I got the stud wall built and was getting, fitting it in. And I had one hammer. Teresa had the other. And we are banging with all of our might trying to get the top of this stud work into place. I mean, half hour, we were banging on it, just trying different ways to, it's like, you know what? We, we had to take a break. We were exhausted. And I'm, I almost sat down, and I'm like, wait a minute. I know I have this out there. Not exactly the proper hammer, but it might give us a little bit more force. So I went out to the garage, looking for that one, and I found this one. What took us a half hour to move each side a quarter inch, and then the other side a quarter inch, and pop the other side back out and have it rock, that took us about, what, a minute? And it was less effort. Hey, some things take a bigger hammer. Some things can't be done unless you have a bigger hammer. Reminded me of the story in Matthew. When the disciples came across the lunatic and couldn't cast out the demon and went to Jesus, said, why? Matthew 17, 14 through 21 says, And when they were, when they were come to the multitude, there came a, um, a certain man kneeling down, saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic, sore, vexed. For oft times he had fallen in the fire and oft into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O oh, faithless, perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast out or cast him out? And Jesus said, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, if you have faith of grain of mustard seed, you can say to the mountain, remove thence 
yonder place, and it shall be removed, and nothing shall be impossible to you. How be it? This kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. We started with the small hammer, which is now buried. We upgraded to a general carpenter's hammer. We got specialized into masonry hammer and into a ball-peen hammer. We've grown. We've learned. We've got our experiences. But sometimes we need to put the, the, our experiences and our small hammers down and let God. What makes it that prayer and fasting is better than these hammers, better than the tools, the studying, the reading, the devotion? The initial salvation. What makes prayer and fasting so much better? It gets us out of the way. It removes us from the equation, just like the sledgehammer removed my might from the situation simply with its weight, created a force I couldn't provide with smaller hammers. I don't know how often anybody has used a sledgehammer, but by trying to get the same amount of force from any other hammer, you are the force. With a sledgehammer, when you're breaking like cement down on the ground, your force is getting it up. And let it this is the way you use a sledge. At my house, it was just getting it up there and pushing just a little bit so that the sledge would hit. And the weight of the sledge, bam, just, and quickly, it moved the wall. Prayer and fasting gets us out of the way and says, God, I need you to, I can't handle it anymore. It gets us out of the way and allows God to do his work. The thing with getting us out of the way is that it takes away the, the I did and opens up the God did. It takes away the see what I can do and brings in the see what God did. When we take focus off of ourselves and take focus off of what we can do and let God. So much more can be done. Fasting also deepens our connection with God by taking away, again, the force of our will and giving preference to His. It helps us focus on Him and not on the problem. Fasting is a way to draw closer to God, aligning our hearts to his will and receiving spiritual re uh, rewards, just as in um, Matthew 6. It gives God the conduit to speak to us and to our situations like he did when calling Paul and Barnabas to the missionary field. Acts 13, 2 and 3. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, 
separate Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away to a missionary journey to start this spreading. Combining the prayer and fasting intensifies their impact. Fasting helps us set aside physical distractions and focus on seeking God's presence through prayer. It is not a means to manipulate God, but a way to line our hearts with his will. Certainly the tools that we use on a daily basis have a profound impact on the tasks that we try to accomplish and the results we achieve. The analogy of these tools we use in our daily chores holds a profound reflection on the tools essential to the Christian walk. From using a rake compared to the leaf blower, having the right tools is essential. Much as the much of the significance of the basic tool to start a construction progress, the foremost tool for a Christian is salvation. We can't go any further than that without that. It is the cornerstone for embarking on our Christian walk. Salvation isn't merely just the first tool. It is, it, is, it is merely the first tool. It is not the final one. Like acquiring the small toolkit for simple household chores, fellowship becomes crucial. It's the hammer, the screwdrivers, the pliers that aid us in day-to-day life of a Christian participating in the church, engaging in teaching, and seeking support of the godly community. As our, spirit, our spiritual lives grow, we need more and more to advance the tools. Just as we move from just fixing small things to starting more complex home projects, regular devotions, and a deeper prayer life, deeper understanding of the scripture, helps us see our growth continue. With this enhanced knowledge, we progress to more sophisticated tools in spiritual endeavors. As we upgrade from the hand saw to the table saw to the circular saw, studying the Bible is not merely reading, but studying is applying its teaching. This application of of understanding from Scripture aids the deeper spiritual growth. It enables better sharing of gospel. It enriches our worship with God. Moreover, just as tackling the large project necessitates specialized tools, so fasting and prayer act as potential spiritual tools. Matthew 17 demonstrates the unique strength that comes from prayer and fasting, enabling us to remove ourselves from the equation 
and align with God's will. Prayer and fasting intensifies their impact by combining, when combined, serving as the spiritual sledgehammer, removing our human might, and providing space for God's will to prevail. This enables us to delve deeper into God's purpose and plans for our lives, drawing closer to him and seeking his guidance and his intervention. In our Christian walk, just as in our daily tasks, utilizing the right tools is paramount. By embracing these spiritual tools, salvation, fellowship, devotion to the word, prayer and fasting, we can journey closer to God and experience the transformation power of a vibrant and committed relationship with him. But we need the tools. Let me finish with this. He has given us the tools. We just need to use them. The table, I know we use this analogy differently, but the table is set before you. He gives you everything you need. Will you use them? If you're just starting out, hey, get good with that pocket knife. Get the, you know, a lot of pocket knife or a lot of utility knives like this one, you have to learn how to replace the blades. They're different. Which blades to use? Get to know that pocket knife. And when you do, start branching out. You know, get that, that small kit. Start using it. Start learning how to, to affect the world around you, how to affect your own spiritual life. Use the tools and grow and grow and grow in him, pastor. Let's all stand. Let's raise our hands towards heaven. And thank the Lord for his word, for the tools that he does give us. Jesus, your word, a lamp unto our feet, a light to our path. Help it, oh Jesus, to recall to our mind every tool that we have, every device that you've given us. Lord, to walk faithfully with you. God, to be an ambassador for your will. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your spirit, your salvation. God, for your word. God, for every gift, every perfect and good gift. It comes down from above. Jesus, thank you, thank you, thank you. Amen. Amen, amen. Been great to be in the house of the Lord today. I've never done this, but we're going to rename Brother Harold's message today from the proper tools to hammer time. (laughs) So take that with you this week. God bless you all. Thank you for being here today. You're dismissed in the wonderful name of the Lord.